The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my friend Ben Gretsch. I really wanted to have him on the program just to sort of talk about his process in creating his very successful Stealing Signal Substack, a link to which there is in the description of the show. I definitely think that you guys should check it out. One of my favorite reads all throughout the offseason and during the fantasy football season. And just uh, sort of wanted to pick his brain about content creation in the world of fantasy football as a whole. Pretty niche conversation. Um, I love talking to Ben. I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I did. If you want to support this content creator, uh, you can subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash takecast. There's a link to that in the description of this show. And uh, you can also just leave a rating or review on iTunes or tell a friend about the program. That is very useful and helpful as well. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming my good friend, Ben Gretsch. You probably know him better as at Yards Per Gretsch here on the program. Uh, Ben, you've been on before to talk about Omni Fantasy, which is, uh, I mean, I guess where I guess the last season is going to be wrapping up here pretty soon. And our new season is going to start in like January. February. Um, but uh yeah, we're just we're gonna chat. We're gonna chat about the Substack, some fantasy theory. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, Omni Fantasy is sort of that little niche thing that's still you know alive and kicking over there. And I mean it, it's a fun one operating in the background. I always kind of forget about it for a few weeks and then remember the that team, I, oh, I gotta go update stuff. The league that we are always in together, normally I've had a sweat, but I messed up NBA so bad this year i think i took i took the celtics really or like my my i just am not i'm not good uh i lost that's out. the one I where jj jj beat us last year and jj zacharyson and got off to a really hot start again this year and i think he's gonna win again he got he got he got the tournament winner in ncaa he got the tournament winner in the world baseball classic and he got the tournament winner in the champions league so he's he's pretty far ahead of us um so this is what i want to start talking about the Substack, and it's it, one. It's interesting to operate on your own, but two, I've I've really noticed this trend the last three years or so in fantasy football in our weird little corner of the internet. That not only do the content creators prefer to kind of be their own bosses and do their own thing and do their own podcasts and do Patreons and Substacks and newsletters, but also I I think the appetite 
is is more for that these days. Like I think five years ago, ten years ago, uh, a boutique newsletter based fantasy content, it would have just been like, you know, I don't I don't really care. And and a huge part of it is best ball, right? So people are thinking more actively more often about fantasy football, but also for a lot of people, myself included in this for sure, fantasy football is like your hobby. So spending more time engaging, reading with, thinking about your hobby when you're not just in like one league or whatever, like it just feels more justifiable and feels like it wants to be more of your content diet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is something that I was doing a lot of before I ever started creating content around it. What what What's the connection to the like, um independent content so so for example establish the run i think you know obviously like this huge entity right we all reference their rankings their rankings have a huge impact on adp less in the main event but definitely so on underdog and on DraftKings. um and just sort of basically i guess when you and i would have started doing this the dream would have been like, oh, to be Matthew Barry, right? For oh, us, for sure. yeah. we, we wanted to be Matthew Barry, right? We wanted to have a column every week on ESPN, wanted our rankings to be there. And then Matthew Barry's not even Matthew Barry anymore. You know, he he's on TV for Roto World, but a lot of his stuff, I mean, his, his written stuff is still on Roto World, but, you know, he's got the fantasy life. Like everyone sort of wants to be their own. Everyone wants to have creative control really is yeah. what it comes down to. And that is, that is, I think something that's pretty new to the space that we engage in. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you see the, the younger group coming up and they're all just starting. I mean, their, their goal is that they want to start a YouTube channel and get it to be huge and, and have their own thing from day one. But yeah, no, that's, that's what I came up with wanting, you know, came up with, or, you know, to the extent that I thought about a career in this industry, it was, I'm going to, uh, my my goal was I want to get a six figure job at, you know, one of these big sites, you know, so I can be a full-time fantasy analyst. Right. And that's the type of work I did for the first several years. I was doing this kind of content. I wound up working my way to CBS. I was not, you know, at that level, I was an entry level guy, um, ended up having to, to kind of move on from there more so because of, of that, because I came in at a, you know, a lower level of salary and, there's a lot of corporate stuff that goes on. Obviously it becomes tough, but it's interesting that you bring this up because like a year later, after I started my Substack and did really well with the Substack, I, uh, I got a couple different full-time offers. One was from NBC about the time that, um, Corrine and Kyle Dvorak and those guys landed there, they're doing some hiring, but I had the Substack already doing really well. And one of the people that I talked to a lot about a lot of this stuff was like, yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons, this and that. The NBC job feels to you like a high floor job, but the reality yeah. is the the they can let you go basically at any point in time, right? Like they can yeah. make that decision. They control your destiny as opposed to something that you're already building. And this individual very successful in the business world is like, he's like a lot of the people that are even at my level want to be able to go off and do stuff on their own, like what you've already started to build at, at, at your Substack. Uh, because then you have your own control. You can't fire yourself, right? Or you, you can choose to fire yourself, whatever. You can choose to close it down if you want to, but you control everything. And the really interesting thing, and the reason I bring that up, um, is the role that they were going to hire me for at NBC did end up, they had some layoffs last year and they did end up yeah. slashing that role. There's a possibility I would have lost that role. And so at that time, I felt like I was going off into this world of uncertainty and 
you know, not knowing what the heck is going to come next. And uh, one of the other points this person made was, well, you might get even better offers, you know, after this season. So like, let's, let's see how it plays out. And, and that did come to fruition. So that, that uncertainty, like playing into that became valid where like, I got even better offers the next off season, but I ended up declining those as well and continue to go off on my own. And it's so funny to get where we are. Cause like, I always say I became an entrepreneur by happenstance, like the, the CBS thing, it was right. unfortunate that my role couldn't really grow and it was in part impacted by the pandemic. And then I got like a really nice offer to do some uh, sports betting stuff like freelance that was going to, you know, cover some income for me. And I was just going to do that and look for a job outside the industry. And I, I left CBS. I was like, I'm going to use this football season. I'm going to do sports. I'm going to do, you know, football picks, make some good money off it and use this time to, to go find a day job, go back, you know, go back to a, a desk job. And everyone's like, I got a lot of people like, hey, we still want your fantasy football stuff. Multiple people told me about the Substack idea. I literally spun it up the Saturday before week one after the Thursday night game and started writing Stealing Signals that Monday. And it blew up like the first year. People like loved this thing. And and I've been able to to parlay that. But it's not like I went into it like, oh, I'm going to make this newsletter into a huge right. thing, you know? It is. I mean, the so like, for example, my role. So when I got hired by SportsGrid, um, part of it was this podcast. So they have like the distribution rights to this podcast. But I was hired to do Roto Experts, which doesn't even exist anymore, which was just, you know, it was a seasonal fantasy football site rankings. Um, and basically, like I was manning that on my own. And it just ended up like the the money that that site was bringing in. It wasn't it wasn't worth it for them to continue. And so then I went over and was doing stuff with daily roto and we were doing projections and and all the the written content and everything and then mike and drew left so then they made it a freemium product right so where so all the content was free and it was you only had to pay for the optimizer then last year everything was free the optimizer was free the projections were free and then now this year it's just not going to exist at all so over time i've i've been very lucky in this company to not get as all these things went by the wayside to not get axed right so now mostly my job is i do tv you know i'm on i'm on tv every single day and we do the podcast and everything um so the the demand for i don't even know the right way to say this but just sort of your more your your non boutique fantasy advice right your your start sits for 12 team leagues and things like that. I mean, one, it's still well-serviced, I think, by Roto World, ESPN, your old coworkers at CBS and Yahoo. Like you can find it if you want it, but the people who are really into it, it's sort of like when DFS first got really popular, there was just a voracious appetite for the content. So like when DFS first got big, Bales was doing his books and his books were selling like crazy and people would pay anything for a good optimizer people would pay anything for good projections like you could just charge like i i think etr's season long subscription for everything for football is less than what a year of like premium dfs stuff would have been in like 2017 or 2018 and as the appetite for mass consumption written content has gone down i think the appetite for ceiling signals um thinking about thinking legendary upside like this hyper niche like analyzing targets per route run and you know just like really deep analysis of this stuff i think that is actually gone up which has been yep. which is great for for the content creators i mean like it's it's 
that is a nice dovetailing of things. Like it's it is um it's it's sort of serendipitous for the the independent content creators. Yeah, I think there's multiple reasons for it too. I mean, like on on one hand, you have the the industry uh, evolving to where there's a lot more money that 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 can be made. I think people are probably wagering a lot more money on this stuff with the advent of best ball and and obviously for now sure. we have sports betting coming out. Yeah, we have so many ways we can get our money in. Best ball is, I mean, that really should be said that without underdog and without DraftKings launching their big tournament and drafters having their tournament, like people would still care, but it were, you just wouldn't be able to give people actionable shit to read in May, basically. Oh yeah, it definitely changed that. But then there's also, I think, a societal thing that could be talked about where just like data literacy is up, I think. I mean, everybody's yeah. industry is is using data in a heavier way. 10 years ago, we were still talking about like analytics, like remember how analytics used to be talked about? And like, it still gets talked about that some now, but it's like hard to explain how different it was, you know, eight to 10 years ago to get people to pay attention to just numbers, like actual, like the idea of a model predicting something or, or being able to, I mean, people were like, get out of here. That is like, that's made up. That's fake. And it's like, well, no, I mean, it actually like there's issues with every model. Like they have biases and things, but the, the, like, that's actually fact. Like these are numbers. Like if you analyze it correctly, this is, and, and nowadays like everyone is comfortable with the idea of data and with, you know, models or at least more comfortable. Obviously there are, um, there are still a lot of people that misinterpret models and data their own models <laughs> you know like i love one of my favorite things in fantasy football is to like read a piece of content and be like oh this is all really good research i love everything they're citing all this stuff and then it gets to the conclusion and i'm like how the f- did you come to that conclusion like that is i mean that's not what you wrote about like that's not what any of these numbers or any of this stuff says to me in terms of how i'm you know interpreting all this information but i think everybody has gotten to a, a core level of data literacy and and also understands and is you know takes for granted more this um the the ways that it can be uh helpful and so then when you get to that point i mean i don't want to say like the 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 bigger sites and everything i don't want to come down on anyone by any means cuz i worked at cbs and we got a lot of questions right we got a lot of stuff to our helpline i saw the emails that would come in i had access to the to the you know fantasy football at cbsi.com i think is the number is the is the email address and i mean the questions that would come in were very much your like you know your your home league players your beer drinking whatever like yeah. they're not they don't know what they're doing at all they're asking some really like it's like dude just look at some adp you'll figure this question out type of you know questions like it's it's not complicated stuff they the, so the guys at the big sites people like to come at them as analysts oh i mean you guys are really saying this you're really saying that the reality is like they're servicing some a people crowd. need that. Yeah. Yeah. Some people need the really basic stuff kind of spoon fed to them a little bit. I mean, I don't mean to be condescending, but I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is a part of that group that I'm referring to. Like you're, you're several layers deeper than that, than that group is sort of the way that I would put it. So it's fascinating though. Cause I think a lot more people are going layers down that seven layers from the, the, the spot where they were sending those emails I was just referring to that I would see at CBS that were very base, you know, base level to, you know, further and further and deeper and deeper and wanting to peel back more and more layers and, and, and loving the data and the interpretations and all of that. And one, I mean, one of the really interesting things for me, I've been writing stealing signals for seven, eight years or something like that. Now, when I started, it was all about, here's all these numbers that I can give you because people yeah. weren't looking at snaps and routes and all that stuff. 
And in the last few years, I think it was Kareem who kind of uh, helped me crystallize this. He's like, the value you add, I was, I think, expressing to him, like, I don't think I really add a ton of value on that anymore because everyone can get all that information. There's tons of places it's, that are talking It's interpreting about it. the data. It's the interpreting. He's like, the value you add is your, your analysis of all of that information. It's your specific perspective. And I think that's, I mean, exactly right. And that is, to me, I, I go back a little bit to like what we were doing when we started Rotoviz, like I, like way, way back in the day. I think I was like maybe the third or fourth person to ever post an article there. Um, but it was like people hated that stuff at first. You know, they really didn't like it. We were doing a lot. And, and the stuff we were doing like now looks like laughably outdated. Like a lot of the stuff oh, I yeah. was doing was like going through like combine numbers and like hand mapping being like, okay, guys who ran under four or five forties posted top 36 seasons this percentage of the time. But it was like, it was, it was foreign, you know, just to, to, I honestly, just people were like, that's nerd shit. Like, I'm not trying to play fantasy football to play nerd shit. You know, like, I don't, I don't care. Right. And now it feels like, it's, and it's, I, you know, it's also like all of it's like a little bit more, like you were saying, like a cultural thing that doesn't have anything to do with fantasy football, which is people are a little bit more literate. Uh, with with data i mean so many people got into for example like trading stocks and everything during the pandemic like amc the people just loved that and just honestly just spending more time online and e even outside of our little corner you know there are big time journalists who are like oh i just do a sub stack now i don't i don't do i don't work for the new york times uh i don't work for the washington post i do a sub stack or i do a, a beehive or you know i have my own reporting that you can get here or my own um, like this gal I follow, uh, Natalie Weiner is like a great music writer and yeah. she spent a long time doing, you know, she'd write for Rolling Stone she'd, and she still does that, but she has her own, you know, basically newsletter. That's like, this is the cool shit I'm listening to. And this is the story about this, you know, uh, blues musician from Austin, Texas that you should be into. And uh, people as, as content or as society has gotten more niche, you know, you can 10 years ago. You, you you have a niche interest, whatever it was. I mean, it would have been hard to find information on. Now, whatever you're into, whatever thing you are into, you can find content for it, right? And so people are are um, really used to looking for that. I Bales has this article um, that he that he posts every so often, the thousand true fans, and it's true. I mean, if there are a thousand true fans of stealing signals, then that is a sustainable way. For you to I've live. literally cited that to talk about stealing signals to like yeah. to like my in-laws. I think I was citing it recently, but yeah, no, I mean that's the way I think about it too. I remember hearing about that said differently too. Out like there's two ways to build a business. I think I heard this in business school where it's like you can build sort of horizontally and like flat, and then you try to rate like you get all these people to engage, and then you try to raise their engagement level, or you build sort of vertically in a very narrow kind of tower build where it's like this is how. Um, engage these people are it's a thin group of people but they're very very engaged and then you try to build that outward where you keep keep, keep adding people basically that, that are going to be very very engaged and that's sort of like what the thousand true fans thing is it's like just to have a, i mean a thousand is uh to some people a lot to some people not a lot you know, however you want to put that but if you get a, a core people of people like that that are really into your stuff and and very committed to it and 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 you know supportive and all of those things I mean, that's, that can get you pretty far just in and of itself. You don't need to be, uh, you don't need a hundreds of thousands. I mean, when I was at CBS, my stealing signals article got uh, hundreds of thousands of, of yeah, views, way more clicks editions. than it gets now. Yeah. 
Oh God. Yeah. I mean, just so many, I think it did all, you know, over a million clicks for like for the season, um, which is just, I mean, like unique clicks or whatever. I can't remember all the, all the, the data behind it, but it was, it was crazy to see the numbers based on what I was familiar with, you know, prior to CBS, right. It was like, Oh my God, a lot of people are seeing my writing right now, but most of those people also, we can get into like talking about the audience. Most of those people aren't even looking at the byline. They're just going down there, reading it and everything. And when I left there, they don't, they don't know Ben Gretsch was writing. Yeah. They don't care. Like they don't really care. They're just, they're casual readers and those types of things. But some of them are people that, you know, I resonated with or what have you, or, you know, have followed me since and others were following me before then. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a difference again between the audience that's hitting those types of sites and the audience that is looking for some of the niche content, like you said, that is, you know, willing to actually go out there and look for it and pay for it. Um, and I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's where the best content is. I wish I could find people that were, I mean, not to, you know, talk myself up, but people were that are as, as dedicated to their craft as I am to, to giving good advice to the people that I write for. Cause I want the people that are playing stealing signal or fancy football that are reading stealing signals to get like, to, I want them to win their leagues more than I want to win my own leagues. You know, like I, I answer all their emails and their questions and I'm as, as active as I can be, um, like throughout all the different ways that I do it and, and genuinely care about like them being successful. I'm not just creating content to like punch the clock. Like to me, it's almost like a customer service job in some ways where um, I want to know how I can help them. I want to write about their unique league types and all those types of things. So anyway, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different landscape. It's a different type of work than I ever did early on, early on. It was, you know, just writing, generic pieces about a specific player or whatever and now it's a lot more about like how do we apply things and, and how do we interpret the data that's out there that we all know is out there yeah i so i on the on the um the niche content stuff like i love finding a good podcast about something i like and i'm like more than happy like when i find a good one i'm more than happy to subscribe to the patreon like there are like history podcasts i pay for uh, there are a Star Wars podcast that I am a Patreon member for. Uh, like uh, anytime, Dan Carlin could literally sell me anything. Like Dan Carlin, whatever it is. You got me on Dan Carlin and I, I loved that. I mean, yeah. that was awesome. And he's he's like a great example of it. I mean, he does, so like Dan Carlin's model, he everything's free. Um, but then if you want to go, like if you get really into it, you can go buy an episode from like five years ago or whatever. And I would imagine he probably lives a very comfortable life based. I think he's written one book and like, he's got, a, he, he's always working on stuff. It's not as if he's not working. His, his people always give him a hard time for doing like three episodes of his show a year. Um, but yeah, like people just really resonate and love that. And so I'm, I'm super comfortable with that. And I, I appreciate that so much more than, you know, the, the sort of mass marketed, like whatever types up. And I think it, it would be, silly to assume that that wouldn't exist for something as dumb as fantasy football like at a certain level like we yeah. all like we all love fantasy football and we love to pour over training camp clips and go over you know uh week two preseason like who is playing with the second team who is playing with the first team data and like we can acknowledge it's kind of silly you know like it doesn't this is not this is not uh life-changing stuff but you know being passionate about something silly is like totally fine which i think is cool 
But let me ask you something, because I, I'm really interested in your take on this. Like, where do you think it's going? Because I think it's very natural from the content creator side. But now one of the elements that happens is you start to get more and more people going off on their own. You get more and more products and all those things. And they're not mutually exclusive. I think people are willing to support a lot of different types of people, which is one of the really cool things that I've seen from the the consumers of the content and all of that type of stuff. At the same time, I mean, that that starts to be more expensive for the consumer. Obviously, they have then that much more content to consume as well because you're, I mean, consuming it from a lot of different places. And I've kind of wondered, like, what ends up happening 10 years from now, 20 years from now, as I try to think through, like, where my career is going. I, I am I am kind of unsure of what, what it looks like. So I do think there is a huge element and this is a whole world that we are not even privy to but you know there are tiktok fantasy football people and instagram fantasy football people and youtube fantasy football people that are not doing what we do that it is it is this is why it's okay to draft justin jefferson instead of a running back with the first overall pick in your league i mean uh salvetri and joe holka are not doing the same thing that we like to do you know they're not they're not doing um, you know, uh, uh, Chuba Hubbard played 11 snaps and all with Bryce Young in the first Carolina Panthers preseason game probably means he's the running back too, you know, and they're very successful and that like, that's their passion and they're totally cool with it. It wouldn't be like doing what Sal does. Sal's actually been on the show a long time ago. Um, would not be my passion. Like wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, because I get off a little bit less on the entrepreneurial aspect, mm -hmm. you know, of being like, oh, I'm really... Not that I don't like to do it. I do threads. Like I like to see my Twitter account following number go up. Like I like that, but I really like my job. Like my job's very comfortable. I've got a good working relationship there. So I haven't felt the need to like build anything on top of that. But that I think is the biggest growth space is, is actually like in literally the opposite of what we're talking about of like, if someone came to me right now and they were like, I've got 80 Twitter followers and a dream, what, what should I do? I would be like, Twitter is horrible at monetizing content. Like go, like just go through and click on any of your podcasts or your links. Like my pinned tweet right now um, is Tej from Sumer Sports came on uh, the show last week and I got 47 detail expands and 43 link clicks through that tweet off my Twitter, right? <laughs> Everyone who listens to this show, they're already subscribed to it. They're not really following it. Maybe, maybe one new person got turned on to the show via Tej coming on, you know? So I, I honestly would tell people that if you're just starting now, going hyper niche, doing a thinking about thinking or a legendary upside or stealing signals, I would, I would tell them to do the opposite, you know, which is not, <laughs> which is not to say that it's impossible, but it's, it is the road harder traveled for sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. I mean, there is an element where like, um, you get sort of the inertia. Like one of the things that I'm, again, very fortunate, count myself as very lucky, not, uh, I, you know, I say I, entrepreneur by happenstance. It's not like I had some great foresight or anything like that. I got to Substack because smarter people than me were suggesting it to me. Shout out Sal Stefanelli, who was one of the ones. Uh, another was a subscriber whose name I, I don't remember whenever I talk about this. And I apologize to that person if they're still listening and following along with me. But um, these people were like, Hey, this Substack thing is doing really well. I subscribed to some of these newsletters. I wasn't subscribed to any of them. I didn't even know what Substack was. 
but I was like, they're like, this would be a good fit for your writing style. You should go check it out. I go check it out. And then over the years that I've been there, I started this in 2020. Substack has really blown up and now a lot more people have Substacks. but I get this sort of inertia element where like I was one of the first movers and one of the first people there. And now that people are getting more and more comfortable with these, you know, this idea of premium newsletters and all these types of things, well, pretty beneficial to me to, to have already been there and been building it. It's kind of like the first people that were on Twitter a lot of times have huge, you know, follower counts, right? Because they were like always active on Twitter. Um, you just kind of beat people to the punch a little bit. So, um, yeah, to your point, I mean, I do think it, it is like it's a little bit of a saturated. I mean, I don't know if that's even necessarily your point, if that's if, if the, that side of it's saturated or not. But the other side of it, um, you, so you think it's just gaming the algorithm and, and getting likes and views and all that stuff is the easy way to build right now? I think well, easy like to imply that it is easy to game any social media algorithm, I think is something that only a cranky person who's mad right. that they don't understand what young people are doing would say, you know, like, I don't think what these YouTube content creators um, or like what Jack Settlement did with Snapback Sports or what, I mean, Sal's YouTube channel has how many subscribers? Like so many. Like to imply that that is easy is so wrong. It's not. It's just different. It's a different set of labor. Yeah, it's a different it's skill a diff- set. It's, yeah. a, it's a totally different skill set. Um, but to the average person who just has a passion about fantasy football and maybe, I mean, part of it is like writing skill too, like like ability to convey ideas, you know, like it's kind of, it's hard to be a good writer. Writing is really hard. And I think it's easier to teach yourself and learn the skills required to social media hack to to TikTok algorithm hack, which not to say it's easy, but just that it's different. And I, well, maybe more accessible, right? Like I sort of feel like most people of average intelligence could, if they applied themselves hard enough, figure out the social media hacking. Whereas like not everyone, I don't think can be a good writer. And maybe I just think that because I was an English major and I like that is like what I think about the world and that's my own prejudice. Um, but yeah, I th- and I also think the growth potential though, like if we're thinking of it in terms of a range of outcomes, like the range of outcomes is going to be way higher on YouTube than it is with the Twitter newsletter or whatever, like your total, like you, like people just become so successful on their own off of YouTube. Like it's crazy how successful you can be. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's a whole world that I don't, it, I don't it just, know enough about. Neither you or I would be very good at that. Right. Yeah, Not, like, I don't, like I wouldn't even, even Peter, who's so good at YouTube and who does is, does kind of like know the thumbnail game and all that stuff. Like even he it does great content, like actually good content, does great content. And even he is, I am sure would be like, I wish I, I wish I could meet this growth target or I wish I could do this a little bit differently. Or like, I, you know, like, because it's hard, it's hard, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like I just, I mean, it's, it's and it's inaccessible to me. Like, I think if I tomorrow was like, I want to start a YouTube channel, I'd be like so bad at it for like a long Dude, time. Dude, I was like, going to, I was going to start one this off season. And uh, like, I, I talked about it in like uh, January, February with people. I had plans for the people that I would have on. It would, it would have been something I think a little bit like how Crane's legendary upside one worked out. And he has done awesome stuff there with that. And people should check that out. And he has the skills to do that. He has, he has more skills than I do in terms of some of the, the video editing and some of the, like sort of the producing and, and sides of, of, of the game. And also just probably, you know, 
better, I don't know, people skills and things to navigate some of the like um that's getting, another like, logo thing too. made and all you that stuff. You got well, yeah, you gotta find people to make graphics for you and all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, I don't dude, I, I don't do any of that. I just write a newsletter. <laughs> yeah, and and I I mean that's another thing about like the YouTube stuff. It's like you have to be like pretty personable. Like people have to like you, you know, like that that's yeah. part of it. That's part of it too. But I do I just think the the growth pattern, if you were just doing written content, I'd be like, it's just so hard because there's so much of it and it's harder. There's not an algorithm directing people to your stuff. You know, it's like, you're yep. trying to like do like SEO, you know, and SEO is like, I would have known about it nine years ago, but I don't know shit about SEO now. Like that's a whole different ball game. You know, it's, it's constantly changing. And both of us too. Also, we were talking about inertia earlier. I mean, both of us have this huge, inertia benefit that we started doing this 10 plus years ago when the space wasn't inundated when there wasn't 15 you know there wasn't right. fantasy points and etr and and you know all these different sites like it was espn cbs and yahoo and like maybe fox sports had a guy you know and that was it that's all there was so people there that the the faucet was just getting turned on to more niche fantasy football analysis and I'm sure there are a hundred guys out there who exist right now who could do a better job at my job than me. You know, they could go on TV, they could do a fantasy football podcast, they could write these articles, they could do all this stuff, but they just haven't got that opportunity because they were, you know, just out of luck or whatever. Like that, that, that is a huge part of it, right? Like it, it, sure. it's silly to deny it. Like the, the timing is so important. There's no, I mean, Absolutely. At the same time, I do think, I mean, in your defense on that, like there are a lot of skills that, for example, you have developed over those years. I know that I have developed over the years that I've been doing this. Like my content is a lot better now than it was when I started, you know? And so it's funny, like there are a lot of people that, that watch, this is another thing I'll say from my time at CBS where like those guys are so good at what they do. And I, I, they would catch a lot of flack and I would hear all this stuff about, Oh, you know, the, the, the big site guys, they don't know what they're doing or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, these guys yep. are doing podcasts, TV appearances, all of these things over and over again. And they're finding ways to communicate information in a really, uh, succinct, succinct way. way. You can't, when you're right. on TV, you can't just talk forever. Like no. when I like, so you and I are going to go get done and I'm going to go get on with Scott Farrell and do, we're going to do 12 minutes and I can't just, um, and ah, and talk. You got it. The information has got yep. to get out. And that is like, not saying it's, I have this, you know, uh, high tightrope walking job or whatever, but it is learned. Like you can't just, if you think you'd be good at TV, you really would be bad at first. Like and even. Is. Yeah. And even just to do like the podcasts at CBS are different than any of the other podcasts I did where it's a lot more regulated, a much bigger, you know, schedule every hey, you guys every have show. segments, segments, everything you're, you know, you're, you're, and you're, you're thinking through your talking points so you can get in and out of them. And the first few times I would do those shows, I would go too long. They loved my content. They loved the stuff I was bringing, but I was like, I, I couldn't stop. I mean, that's, I talk a lot when I talk. And I got better at that. But when I got better at trying to, you know, get more concise, my arguments got worse. Right. And I could feel it and hear it. And so, again, shout out to those guys. Like the guy, I, and I and I did a couple TV spots with them too. It's really hard to come up with the one or two most, you know, important, succinct parts of an argument that you think is multi-layered and has a lot of very important elements that need to be addressed. 
and you know Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard and Heath Cummings and those guys over there they do an incredible job at that stuff and then they catch flack where it's like oh this is too simplistic it's like well I mean they're way better at their jobs like you talk to them off the air they know a lot more than what they're putting on the air and, and it genuinely is the case like they're trying to simplify it because that's what their job is they have to do that so I I um when I used to deliver pizzas when I was in college I used to listen to all the fantasy shows because there were like five of them back in the day it was like ESPN fantasy focus which was back when like Matthew Barry still had to do baseball you know because I was delivering pizzas in the summer so like at the beginning uh the ESPN fantasy show wasn't even football it was it was baseball um CBS had a show and there was one other one that I used to listen to that I forget the name of but I I do remember being like I just have this great memory of like Doug Martin's rookie year and they were like talking through Doug Martin in the preseason and they went like five minutes on it and it was all good, concise information. But then I just remember being like, yeah, but there's so much more going on here. There's so much more like, like we got to talk about how he was in college. We got to, what are the backups? Like, you know, all this stuff or whatever. And it it really just I mean it does come back full circle that's, to the original. That's probably point. why you started. That's that's why I started doing it, content. It, that I was, was. Like, I can do yes. this better than than all the stuff that I'm seeing. Like there's so much more here. We need to talk about all this stuff. And then you start working. Like I started at Rotoviz. I start working at Rotoviz and talking to people. It's like oh yeah, all these people know that there's a lot more, and they're trying to do it too. And I'm not. You know, when I was new on the scene, I thought I was going to bring all these ideas that no one had ever heard before. And then I started getting a lot of people. I'd write something up and someone would be like, yeah, that was written up last year. Here's a link to it. Like, you know, this exists. You just didn't know it existed yet. Like, you're not, you're not, re you're just reinventing the wheel. You're, you're certainly not, uh, you know, just discovering the wheel or inventing it for the first time. You're just the next guy who's coming to the same conclusion. And so I still get that a lot of the times with the messages that I get for people who want to work in the industry. And I'm always as supportive as I can be. If you want any help with that, shoot me a DM. I'd love to talk with you about uh, some plans. Yeah, this is the worst I, month of the year for me to, to help you, but I will do my best to help. I get, uh, I get emails every so often and I don't respond to all of them because sometimes I just don't want to, but I do generally speaking, I will send you a couple lines. My, my number one advice though, would be learn about social media and stuff that even sure. even if even if your goal is i want to be i want to be the next ben gretch with a thousand true fans who want to read my thoughts on darnell washington snap share in the preseason i would still say it's going to be an easier hack to get people to your work through social media than it is through seo through hoping people For google sure. and find you yeah. there are points in my career where i literally heard we couldn't you know hire this person or do this or do that uh, based on their number of Twitter followers. Like, I mean, the, the sites and the people that are making those decisions that are going to put you in position. And, and one of the things you see with a lot of people that go off on their own, not all of them, but a lot of them is that they do work and they go through the traditional sites first and work at yes. places where they can at least get their reach out there and then go off on their own, right? I mean, yes. uh, that's, yeah. that's certainly the path that I took. That's what Karain just did, obviously. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of examples of that, but uh, uh jj zachary's great example of that who's off on his own now and, and was working at um number fire and FanDuel and and those places for a long time and doing incredible stuff and then you know gets to a point where he can kind of go off and, and kind of dictate what he wants to do a little bit more and, and there's obviously advantages to that well and um, it's very helpful to and specifically in jj's case like the late round podcast like everyone this is a great example David Kitchen's favorite fantasy football podcast is the late round podcast because For it's sure. so succinct. It gets, it's not, he's not wasting any time. 
he I listen to JJ's podcast. Like I don't listen to a ton of fantasy content, but I do listen to JJ's on like a Tuesday morning because I'm like, this will just get me in a good frame of mind to to do the work that I need to do this week. Like it, it'll kind of point me and focus me and it's all good information. But he did that podcast forever when it was number fires and when it was fan duels. And then he got to take that with him. So he got, people got familiar with it. People, it became part of their informational diet and he got to bring that with him. I think that's a huge edge. I think Silva's top 150, great example. Like how many people probably just straight draft off for 10 years have been drafting off Silva's top 150 and then he takes it to ETR. You know, like, I think those are great. Like, you know, the, 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 the quote unquote corporate route. I mean, look, these are, these are good jobs. Like getting, getting the, the, a news blurb shift at Roto World is like a good job and would make a lot of people super happy and they would love to do it. Um, Like I, I am not, I mean, shit, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know the future. Maybe I end up working for Roto World someday or whatever. Like I, I would never rule any of that stuff out, but it is very helpful. Um, I guess it's helpful to know like what your goals are and what services you could provide, you know, like what you were saying with Corrine mentioning to you, like your skill is the analysis. And there are, I mean, this is something we haven't even gotten into yet, but there is this whole new wave of guys like our buddy, Sam Sherman and Sam Hoppin, like these guys who are uh, either data, data visualization or like doing the yeah. analytics themselves. That is, we haven't even gotten into that. That's a whole new, and I can't get into it because I don't know shit about, I don't know. <laughs> I, if, if that, if that would be something that I would literally not be qualified for. I could not do it. I don't think I could teach myself. That's another thing stuff. I've tried to, I've tried to do in off seasons back in the early days is because I recognized that trend early. I need to learn R. I need to learn how to make these visuals. And I just like, I tried multiple times, probably three or four times to like learn how to code. I'm going to teach myself to code this off season it's not easy. Like, you know, I mean, it is something you got to put a lot of energy and effort into. And I I never got through that. I never got through the YouTube thing. Part of my story is that, uh, you know, I think a lot of these creators, one of my pieces of advice would be, you know, they, they have ideas and they do it and they're, they are persistent, right? They don't, you know, it's the whole idea of like not taking no for an answer and pushing and all that stuff. Part of my story is like, I'm not that persistent. I've learned like when I think about like, oh, creating a YouTube channel would be really beneficial to my whole product. Like I don't do it. I had a lot of people at, at Stealing Signals tell me that I have written so much and it's a lot of it's evergreen that I should turn it into a Stealing Signals book. And that was a goal last off season. I I've, tried, I've tried to write a book three times. <laughs> this off season, I had a guy help me. Uh uh, shout out to shout out to Scott Wolf, and he helped me. He, he went through my catalog. He, he um, built uh, you know m- built a document with all of the stuff that would probably go into a book. All I had to do was go through and edit it. Basically, he did all the hard work. I didn't have to go back and find all this stuff. And I still was like, I, I dude, I can't read that much of my own writing. <laughs> like I can't, I cannot do that. That's not something that I'm going to be able to do. All I can keep doing is like pressing forward on the stuff that I've always done done well, which is, you know, continuing to write and continuing to create new content, trying to find the next, you know, useful, interesting piece of, uh, you know, content or, or advice. And that's the feedback I always get that I really, really love is that like, I can, you know, find things that other people are, or look at things in a unique way that, that other people are not seeing and, uh, and offer it to people. And, you know, that's sort of my goal is like, I want to, I, rather than, you know, build a new YouTube thing or whatever. It's like, I want to, I want to find this new interesting way of analyzing something, but the, the stuff about like, I mean, all these ways that you can grow now, I mean, I, I'm with you. If I was going to tell somebody what to do, my first goal would be 
uh, my first point would be don't focus so much on the content creation. Like if you're good enough, that stuff, you're going to, you're going to find ways to, to give the advice. It will be focusing on the distribution methods and the social media. And like you said, like work on your writing, work on your, uh, you know, your skills that will help you video edit and all of those things. I, work on getting, your getting comfortable media on video. That would be yeah. actually, that would be my number one is like, you're, you're going to hate your face. You're going to hate your voice or whatever, but like, just be comfortable. Even if it's something as simple as like, uh, getting on, getting on, like we did that stream with Liam the other night and like eight of us were on there or whatever, you know, and, uh, like everyone was just kind of comfortable and hanging out or whatever. Cause we're all good in that environment. But if that had been your first ever time in that environment, you probably would have been pretty uncomfortable. And like, like just being able to be on video, I think is like a huge skill right now. For sure. And it's funny. The first time I, I did it, I mean, I was super nervous. I feel like I like blacked out. I remember like thinking back to the first times I did like live video and I like couldn't remember some of the things I said. Like I was so like anxious about it. You know, it's yeah. like, dude, I don't even I don't even remember how well that went, you know, or, or poorly that went. Um, but you, you it, it is a thing that naturally, you know, with reps, you get better at you get more comfortable with for sure. You do. But yeah, yeah, that's I a mean, great point. But yeah, just like uh, in general, public like people are fearful of public speaking and are uncomfortable with it like that it never was a problem for me so that's like one of my um you know uh inherent advantages or whatever but so i maybe that maybe that's actually the best advice is like self-knowledge can go a long yeah. way like knowing and i mean obviously this is not even just related to fantasy football you could be like you could be an insurance salesman and be like i just want to be doing anything other than this like i want my own thing i want to start my own business i want to start my own content mill i just want to do what whatever it might be um self self-awareness and self-knowledge because like i bet you have this feeling a lot of the time like probably not when it's week 10 and it's dark at at 5 30 and you're you're it's it's wednesday night or tuesday night and you're you're writing up a texans game for stealing signals but i bet God, that's causing a, a trigger a response to me right now <laughs> but i bet i bet when it's i bet when it's july and you just registered for your first slow main event and you're like okay we're thinking through all these picks like i bet you you like oh i just wrote 8000 words and i didn't even realize it like knowing like oh. what excites you is is i think good too that's usually yeah that's my august that's right now that's what's been going on this week anyone who subscribes to the newsletter knows i've sent out just a ton of stuff i did two articles yesterday I did another one this morning and I was working on one. I mean, I'm going to do two more today again. I'm just like, like firing stuff off right now. And like you said, I, I, I keep getting responses that people are like, you're literally writing faster than I can read, which I mean, I'm sorry, but like, I'm going to keep doing it. Cause like I am, it's just, it's all different topics and it's all stuff that I really want to sink my teeth into right now. And it's stuff that I didn't, I mean, I've done this enough years that like, I try to get ahead in the off season, but like when I, again, when I was at CBS, I had to pre-write a lot of the stuff. Right. And so, you know, you would do a lot of the magazine, like we would still be making the magazines and you had to do with that in May and in June and then yeah. send it. And then it had to be printed and then it had to be on newsstands for July. And by the time July rolls around and it's on the newsstands, like some of the stuff you wrote isn't even accurate anymore. Right. Like that's just the way that it is. That's why none of us that are, you know, listening to the take cast are, um, I still know, fucking buy, I still buy a fantasy magazine every year because it reminds me of when I first started getting really nerdy about like getting really into fantasy football. You still buy them? Well, oh, it's also amazing. part of it is like, I just, I like to have it and be like, oh, my friend, yeah. Kyle, my friend Kyle wrote this. I, I know, I know Roto Pat spent forever doing this. You know, like I just, I, yeah, it's, that's it's, cool. 
it's nice, you know, and it's a little connection to like feeling when everything was young and magical again, you know, when I was 20 and drafting, you know, Randy Moss, like that's how, that's how long I've been For playing sure. fantasy football, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah I, still I still have some still of those. Them. I still have some of those really old ones. I used to buy the fantasy football index. I don't know if you remember that one, had like the paper uh, pages, but yeah, dude, I still have some of those really old ones. But what I was saying is the, those, um, magazines you have to pre-write them so early a lot of the content would be best done in august you know in july or in august when you get a little bit more information we've had adpl offseason we've been drafting all offseason that's been a blast but so much is happening right now that is affecting everything and i think the market is moving correctly on some stuff it's moving incorrectly on some stuff and there's a lot of there's a lot of bigger picture analysis that you can be doing that really the optimal time to be doing it would be now when we have a better idea of what the rosters are actually going to be looking like. And a lot of the offseason movement is finishing up and we're finally getting some of these running back signing. And so I, I've tried to do a lot of this stuff in, in May, June, July, whatever in the past. And I do write some stuff in those times, but often I found myself being like, the best time to write this would be August. And so I, the last couple of years with this newsletter, like I don't have any like real content deadlines. The only people I answer to are my subscribers. I have been pushing it all toward late July and August. And then when this time comes around, like I know this is when my bread is buttered and I'm freaking working. I'm working like legitimately 16 hours. I've woke up at three each of the last, every day of the last week, you you get into a certain sleep schedule and I work until I can't think anymore. And I, and then I stop and I play with my kids a little bit in the evening and I go to bed at like eight o'clock and I'm up at three again, like every single day. And then I'm writing, like I have an, I had an article published this morning before my daughter woke up. And then, you know, I had breakfast with her, but like, that's where I'm at in terms of, but it's like you said, it's exactly what you described. It's what I'm passionate about. I like, I want my subscribers to do well this year. I want to get the information to them in an effective way. I literally feel like I'm just like writing emails to friends and it's, it's like-minded friends. It's friends that care about my opinion on a subject that we all really enjoy doing together, right? It's like, I could talk to my my real life friends about the stuff, but they're not as into fantasy football. They're like, I, dude, like, they don't want to talk about that. It's, we'll talk about something so totally different. It's so true, man. Like my real life friends, we play in a fantasy football league. Like we, we've had this league for 15 plus years. We all get together for the draft every year. But like, if I started really trying to get into like, you know, Rashad White, you know, his situational pass blocking, like on third downs, like, I don't know, you could chase Edmonds yeah. could get, they'd be like, dude, literally shut up. Like, shut like, like, <laughs> and these are like guys who like played college football, you know, like yeah. they, they get it, but oh, they yeah. don't, they don't care. You they know, would stuff you in a locker. Like it's the same thing as we were talking about, like on Twitter 10 years ago, the, our industry has moved that way, but the average fan has not moved that far that way yet. There's still a lot of room for that for for those types of people to be to to tap into it but it's got to be people who really want to know all of the advanced data and stuff like that but when you find those people and there are these people on the internet that have read you for a long time and they've sent you comments over the years and you've had interactions with them and you've done Q&As with them you've seen their comments on live streams on YouTube and stuff and you're like I mean I I'm excited to hear their feedback on my on my thoughts this year you know what i mean it's it's a it's a collaborative effort we have like discord and things like that now where um i enjoy the feedback i get from subscribers that have read me for a long time i tell them this all the time because i feel like they're helping sharpen my analysis because a lot of times i'll be writing about something and i will miss like an application of it from other stuff that i've written before and i'll have an uh, a reader be like you used to write all of this stuff over here. Isn't this a great example of that? And shouldn't we be playing this way based on these other things you've said? And I'm like, man, 
you've been reading me for so long that you think about this stuff just like I do. And you're analyzing this in a way that I would and finding something that I'm missing. And I'm really glad that you're finding that and giving me that feedback because there's a lot of other you know analysis I see out there that's just not the way that I'm looking at it, right? Like it's not helpful. I'm not getting any inf information out of that, but um, my actual readers, it becomes like a community and I, I'm getting this feedback and it's like, they are hyper niche into Rashad White's whatever, this, that, and the other thing. But then they're like, wait, why aren't you playing it this way? I've seen you play it that way in the past. And and then I have to explain myself and it is uh, helpful. It, like it, it's iron sharpens iron kind of a thing where um, like having that community and, and then it, it helps me in my own drafts, I think. So having that community is like, a, it's just an incredible thing. Like you said, right now I'm doing a, a crazy amount of content, but it is stuff that I don't even realize um how long these these articles are getting or all that stuff i mean if i sat and looked back at all the stuff that i've written in the last two three weeks i mean it's it's a i know it's a lot and there last is... year somebody sent me all of it right. uh and it was over 100 pages in a pdf they were like you could put this into a draft guide i'm like yeah i mean i've written that in the last two weeks it's a it's bigger than a draft guide and it's all you know on time it's not it wasn't written in may like a magazine i mean this is all being written right now all the topics all the things you want team capsules player tiers rankings and then all the like strategy and theory stuff all with august information you know i mean it's it's the way to do analysis i would say but obviously i'm biased <laughs> there there do you ever do you ever have this feeling i would have this um when I was doing Roto Experts and I'd write like a 4,000 word start sit or whatever. And then I'd be like, actually, I got this more writing DFS stuff. I mean, this is like a whole other lifetime ago. Like back when I was writing like literally daily, yes. like NBA or Major League Baseball DFS stuff. But just like, wow, I just wrote 2,000 words about the July 17th Major League Baseball's DFS slate. Like, who is that for? This lives for like 10 hours. Like what, like there, at least with fantasy football, it can live for a little while. But like, I do remember a couple of times just closing out of these DFS articles and be like the impermanence of time, like the impermanence of what I just created. Like this oh, is, this, sure. this literally is going to go bad in four hours. Like so brutal. I, I never had those moments for me, man. The first time I wrote something at Rotoviz and saw these viewer counts and, you know, they were doing like these little profit share things. And I, I got paid for my first article. A lot of people liked it and shared it. And it was just, oh, this new writer. And it was great. I, I loved all the, really appreciated all the uh, support that I got on it. But I got like over 10,000 views, which usually I learned really quickly. You're not going to get 10,000 views on every single article, right? Like my next view, we're not, we're not getting there. But I got like a couple hundred bucks for this article as this like profit share thing. And I, I'm like, dude, I mean, I still remember this feeling. I remember like, telling my wife like i just got paid a couple hundred dollars to write about fantasy football. that first I that literally first tiny pass that first tiny pass withdrawal yeah. i mean this is oh, way God, back yeah. in the day hit so oh, good yeah. yeah it was like i'm getting paid to tell people what i think about fantasy football and and people are reading what i have to say thousands of people so even like when you're talking about the, the impermanence of it i mean i i don't know i never i always had the thing where like even if like 10 people were going to read what I was going to write, like, but that's, I mean, that's how I'm wired. Like I love to write. My friends will tell you, like I write long emails and we're just like, we're planning like a, a vacation for next summer. I'm going to write them like four paragraphs and everyone else is going to write two sentences, you know, and I'm going to overanalyze it. But that's just like kind of how I've always been wired. So the fact that like I could write something that I'm interested in and passionate about and write a longer, um, you know, a, a longer, stream of consciousness several thousand words and have 
you know, tens of thousands of people click on it and read it. It's just crazy. To me. I mean, it's still, it's still mind boggling to me. I just, I like, yeah, I, I've always just been like, I, I don't even really care about the impermanence of the work. Like I'm not, I'm not painting a, you know, a, 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 a painting. I'm not Da Vinci. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not doing anything to better the world. I'm not a doctor. Um, but for those people, I'm positively impacting their day, right? Like this is something they enjoy doing. They're opting into reading whatever the heck is in my mind, which is, I mean, it's kind of cool. It is. It is very cool. I mean, that is, there. there's so much, um, you know, people our age are so irony poisoned, you know, like we just, we, we are just trained. Everything stinks. Everything's bad. Uh, you can't, you can't um, unironically enjoy anything. You know, everything kind of has to be yes. done like oh, ironically. Yeah. And we all like, Oh, I Twitter, I I'm on, I'm on the hell site today. You know, it's, it's yeah. terrible. I'm never leaving. And I do, I'm look, I'm, I'm the worst at this. Right. Because dude, I have two kids, Davis that are getting to the age where they're doing it to me. And that, that, that generation is so much worse too. I mean, I'm the boomer now. I mean, it's, it's brutal. Yes. So but this is a beautiful thing. I mean, without without the internet, you're not getting uh, you're not getting to meet other people who care that Christian Kirk didn't run in two wide receiver sets in the preseason and that Zay Jones was playing over him. Right. And that's and that's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah, I mean, without the internet, I'm not doing anything in sports. There's no way. I mean, I didn't have the other skills. We just talked about this to to the persistence that you need to break into really tough industries. I, I didn't have that. I don't have those skills. I never was going to have those skills. I have the analysis, the, the analytical skills, but to your point about like Sal and those guys having different skill sets, I mean, I don't have their skill sets and those are the ones that are required in, without the internet, I think to get really far in a lot of industries, but with the internet, you can, that, you can Sal and lucky. Joe make way more fucking money than I do, you know, like they're yeah. like, you know, because, because they, it's it's all it, i mean it's it's honestly it's a different job you know what what yeah. sal and joe specifically what they have captured is a totally different market you know and a totally different skill set and they have to do totally different work and not work that i would find not that i'd really be that good at you know right and and, and if they weren't I, doing it in fantasy football they could succeed doing the same skill set in a lot of different in industries. anything yeah. yeah i mean joe joe came on this show uh a while back and was like yeah like i get it people don't like my tweets about you know which running back you should draft in your fantasy football league but like it's not for them you know like it's for it's literally it's for the dude who could be buying a fantasy magazine but instead he's reading my twitter thread or watching my youtube videos or whatever yeah. and parlaying that and like so it's just it's just it's yeah. just a different skill set and like I said, I mean, when I was at CBS, I saw that is a large market. <laughs> that is a very large market, I can say from first-hand experience. Larger than I thought it was. I mean, we do sort of live in a bubble. We talk about this some, but like when you're on Twitter and you're on social media, like you're already in like a self-selected group. Like there are some idiots on Twitter, but the idiots on Twitter are still less ignorant than the, you know, ignorance may be the wrong word. I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, rude or anything. Because again, like some of our closest in real life friends might fall into this bucket, but ignorant about what we do, the really advanced football stats or those types of things. Um, there are people that are, you know, even far more ignorant than that uh, about that. 
that are not on social or anything because they, they just don't care about it. They've never cared about it. It's like, it's a topic. Like I'm very ignorant about a whole lot of topics. I'm not super into music. I'm so ignorant about any kind of music topic you could throw out there. I would never be able to talk with anyone who has any level of knowledge about music about anything. I mean, that's like, I've actually tried to have those conversations and it's like, it's really hard for me yep. to be like, yeah, I don't have any frame of reference. I'm not like, I, I listen to like, I listen to a lot of different genres, but basically the pop music in every genre, you know, like sure. I listen to eighties, seventies country rap when I was growing up, everything, but it's like all the pop, like the crappy version, you know, like I, I, I don't, I'm not getting any kind of indie bands. I'm just listening to the stuff that was like on the radio at that time, you know, or on, you know, in that, in that location or whatever. Um, yeah it's like oh i can sing along to this i can sing karaoke with this like that's that's my 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 level of music uh you know coherency and trying to talk to somebody who's as into music as i'm into fantasy football would be hell for both of us right is that like that's just the reality of 100 percent. i mean my like my wife like makes like you know we're we're meeting people and someone's like oh davis what do you do and my wife is like literally don't even start with him like he like he can't even he can't even answer that question you know yeah like, oh it's so hard yeah. i just say sports media now but for years I, I could not answer that question i just tell what i tell people now is i'm like next time you're at the airport go to the bar find the tvs 50 50 chance you're gonna see me because my sports grid does free ad supported television, which means that a lot of public places like that have it up. And I get like, I'll get the funniest text. Like my dad's friends who I'm in a fantasy football league will send me a text and be like, I'm, I'm in, I'm at, uh, you know, I'm at the, I'm at the gym right now. Like, why is your face on my TV? And I'm like, I can't even get into this with you. Just, uh, you know, like, it's just, it is, it's so funny to try oh, and man. explain it, which is such a, I mean, that's like a very 21st century thing, though, because when you kind of meet anyone now and, and you're like, oh, what do you do? They're like, unless they have like, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a um, right. pharmacist, whatever. They're like, yeah, so I work in marketing for a startup, but like not like more like B2B, you know, and it's just right. you're like, I got right. I, you. The, we don't even have enough time for, for right. you to give exactly. me the frame of reference to what you do, yeah. you know. It's right. not. It's not just our job. Everyone just kind of does something that's really specialized now, which is because I mean, I mean, that's true. Wow, we're really getting. America doesn't make anything, you know. So we just gotta. But well, we gotta have jobs for people. So we have a lot of jobs for people, but they weren't jobs that existed twenty years ago. I mean, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I there's pro <laughs> and the content. Dude, the, content the conversations are fed. so funny. What's that? well the content mail has to be fed i mean there's there's yeah, all oh, there's sure. always a more desire for content the conversations are so funny like you're talking about getting the the text from your your dad's friends and stuff like that i mean like trying to talk to i mean the the, the range of because like uh, so I, i'll say i'm in sports media and then you know you'll get the response that are like oh, what does that mean you know like someone who actually pays attention to sports media is like okay what specifically and i'll be like well i, I write about fancy football for a living and like i always end up having this conversation with if I go golfing, you get like paired up with someone else. I go with like one buddy. I get paired up with two people. I swear to God, it always happens. The other two people. This, it's usually this is older, probably my most common time of having this conversation. Yeah. It's like two older dudes and they're like, they want to talk about what you do for a living. And like, I remember I was just, just golfing a, several, a few weeks back, but this summer and the guy's like, really? No, what you, you would, I mean, my kids would love to meet you and love, they would, they would talk with you about this for hours. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure they would. Like, you know, like, do I, you I, ever, I mean, do you ever, um, send people, uh, the ship chasing YouTube or anything? 
I have. Yeah. I've had people ask. I don't, I don't offer it, but I've had people ask, because again, there's not a lot of people that are that in depth into it, right? Like that in depth. Like I would think I would come out across like a maniac, but people that are into it have been like, oh, where can I get your content? I'll, you know, I'll tell them the, I'll tell them ship chasing or I'll tell them stealing signals newsletter or whatever. I'll give them the address and they'll go subscribe. And then it's like, oh, sometimes crap. people I, in my real life, it. well, sometimes people in my real life listen to this show. So they'll, they'll get to hear like my unhinged, like political takes or whatever. And it'll be, it, it's just so funny to be like, like everyone's like what I, my aunt will be like, I listen to your show. She'll be like, I had no idea, you know, or like the other day, um, I was just talking to some guys at the gym and doing the like, Oh, what do you do type thing? And I was like, Oh, you know, I do a podcast. I'm on TV and stuff. And they're like, Oh, what's your podcast? I'm like, well, you can listen to it, you know, but I'm like, you don't know what you're, you don't know what you're about yeah. to get into. It's so funny. I know. So that's, that's where I was going with this. It's like, sometimes I'll run into the guys golfing that are like, oh, this is so cool. Or, you know, I know someone who plays fantasy football or whatever, but then I'll get into some other conversation, like maybe with in-laws or something like that, where, where they'll be like, oh God, you do fantasy football. Like, like do something important, you know, like, do you ever get those responses where it's kind of like, I mean, I, I get the, the some, some that are like, what you do is such a joke and I'll just be oh like, totally mean, my yeah. my own dad who like got me into fantasy football you know like he's been playing my whole life or whatever he's like I can't believe this is your like I can't like this ridiculous you <laughs> you're, know? you're an embarrassment he's <laughs> like, just like what that's fan talking about fantasy football is your job and I'm like yeah so, you know someone's got to do it literally right. someone has to do it and yeah. that someone is me and, and Ben Gratch yeah that's exactly right but it's so funny to I mean, there are people that have really negative response. And then there are people who play it and they're like, oh, you guys all don't know anything because they only hear a certain subset. They only hear the, you know, the, the I, I, I don't want to come at anybody, but they, they only hear the, um, the more click worthy content that's out there. Right. And so they think that fantasy analysts in general just don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, dude, that's what I want to, I'm like, I want you to watch my my stuff now watch my podcast or read something that i that i write and then tell me that i don't know what i'm doing because not all fantasy analysts are idiots as well that's the, you know very very defensive. very few very few of them are i mean uh keep coming back to matthew but you know matthew he always says this because people always used to criticize you know his love hate or yep. or the fantasy focus podcast can be like look we literally have the data the most popular game on the most popular fantasy platform is 10 team standard scoring like non-ppr so that's mostly what we cater our content to and to do otherwise would be like a bad business decision you know right so it doesn't mean that i don't know anything but it means that i understand who my consumer is and that is very important yeah i mean that's the exact way to to put that part of it, it it's crazy man it is crazy we're we're lucky we're lucky to get to do what we get to do every single day uh, all right, dude, let's get out of here. I honestly thought we were going to talk more about fantasy football, but I, we might have to do that at another time. I, I wanted to, I wanted to get into this, um, idea of, uh, like talent evaluation and how we've, we've swung the pendulum so far the other way on, on nerddom and just predicting who's going to play and how much they're going to play. I was just having a really long argument in Pete's discord this morning about Bijan Robinson and like the end that my end point was, yeah, all the numbers make sense, but like I just think he's really, really good, and I think he's just going to score a lot of points because he's really, really good, you know. And that is like so non-justifiable these days. Like that line, like the line of analysis of being like, I think this guy is just going to beat 
his projection because he's good is like no one says that who said like but, what no one makes that argument I, I mean, I do. <laughs> I started to do that some. I made that argument on AJ Brown for a couple of years. That's that would be the biggest shift I would say in my content since I started. And I used to be this little bean counter that was paying attention to like, you know, all the all the projected volume and this and that and the other thing. To now, where I'm like, dude, that's not how it works. Like, I'll, I'll give a, a little tease for uh, an article I'm going to write for the newsletter soon because we did talk a little bit about this topic. I'm going to write an article that says if I never hear the term regression again, it'll be too soon because I am so sick of hearing about like regression is so overused in fantasy. It has its place and there's a lot of places to actually use it. But the actual like you want a, a real argument for this point, the outliers in fantasy history that were superstars were way too efficient. That if you go back in time and you Jamal look at Charles, year, Chris Johnson, Calvin Johnson, they were just every single monsters. year, the 2023 analysis, every single year, those guys would have been saying you have to regress. What Ty- they Tyreek Hill, a more recent example. Can't do it again. Can't do it again. Can't you have to regress what he did. You have to regress his efficiency. That's what you're looking for. That's how you win leagues. Those are the players that actually determine fantasy titles are the outliers. We are seeking outlier potential. There, I mean, there's the whole thing about like expected points and how like a Joe Mixon last year who gets stuffed so much near the goal line just racks up expected points after expected points because he's getting attempt after attempt. Whereas I know like Eckler and Chubb are two guys I've used as an example where they were really efficient. They're like points over expected were really efficient. So everyone's saying, oh, they have to regress. They don't have a good enough expected point rule. That's because they kept scoring on runs from like 10 yards away. And the expected point value of a run from like the 10 yard line is a lot lower if they would just get tackled at the one and then score on the next play, their expected points would be way higher. They would be higher to regress. So we're literally holding against them. The fact that they're able to score on that play, as opposed to getting stuffed, which as Mixon displayed last year, he can continue to get those carries and have a huge percent of those carries, but it doesn't actually have to eventually lead to touchdowns. He ended up not scoring very many TDs. He kept getting stuffed over and over and over again. Five in one game to get even. And then he finally scored a ton in that one game. But with Eckler and with Chubb and with those guys, they were scoring from distance. They scored a lot of uh, touchdowns over the course of the year. And then you go look at it and you go, well, they were too efficient. They had too many points over expected. It's like, no, like we're, we're looking for that. The legendary seasons, you know, Karain's legendary upside concept, it requires efficiency. Like you, you need guys to be superhuman. You look at the best receivers, Calvin Johnson and these guys that had the high ADOTs and were still – you know, yak gods and everything. Those dudes were their yards per target every year. And I mean, I know people don't like that stat, but they were outlier efficiency guys every single year. And people want to regress that stuff until they get so much data on it that it's totally baked in. And you're probably worried about the player starting to fall off at that point, right? Like, so now no one's making that argument against AJ Brown because he's had a 2.5 yards per route run every year of his career. He's done it four straight years. You didn't want to buy it after his rookie year. You didn't want to buy it after his sophomore year. But now that he's done it four years, everyone's buying it. But at a certain point, like, he's going to probably start to hit the decline phase of his career. Like, you can't, can only do it for so long. And I'm a huge AJ Brown fan, and I still think he's going to be a superstar this year. But um, it is, it's, it's so fascinating the way that people overapply this concept of regression. I, I think it's just a mistake of overapplying the, you know, the general to the specific or however that term is where like, yeah, we know like efficiency stats aren't stable. We know that regression in a general population is a thing. And guys that have outlier performances typically can't back it up, but 
there are specific instances where guys are just better than the mean by a lot and do it over multiple years. And you go back and look in history, look at people's stats. They've actually done it. It's happened. I'm not making this up. Like these players exist. You don't regress everyone and then just talk about their volume. Like really good players are really good. Like the, you talked about Bijan. I saw this argument made with Brees Hall where it was like, we have to regress all of his really high per touch stuff last year. And then the volume's just not going to be there. That's for the him. classic fantasy football argument, right? Like actually, if you take out all his 50 yard runs, his yards per carry was like 3.8. So he wasn't right. that good. And, yeah. then, and then it's like, oh, if we're going to regress all that, the volume's just not going to be there for him, right? And so we're just, okay, well, now we're just going to focus on volume. That gets to another issue with regression where like Blair Andrews at Rotovis has written about this, rookies who are efficient uh, get more volume in year two over a, a large sample. So we have data that shows that as well. Yeah, their efficiency might regress, but you can't regress their efficiency and then and then say, well, their volume sucks. Look at how low their volume was. Part of the reason their volume sucks is they scored from distance. It goes back to the Eckler and Chubb thing. They didn't get six carries inside the 10 because they scored from long distance. They didn't get tackled and then get more opportunities. I mean, that's something we see with like the Dolphins didn't run a lot of plays last year because they were hyper-efficient passing the ball. Like when 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 teams are scoring too quick, they actually come in with like low play volume. And so then, I mean, you get to the, people want to regress the efficiency, but not think about how like, yeah, more short gains, more incompletions, those things are going to cause more play volume. Like the volume goes up when you regress the efficiency. So anyway, that, all these things are like interrelated and correlated. We'll, but we'll just think about it. This will be the last thing. Then we can get out of here. If you're yeah. a coach, let's say you're Arthur Smith, right? Everyone hates Arthur Smith. Like, oh, he never gives, he doesn't throw the ball to Kyle Pitts, like yada, yada. I mean, He's going to watch the games. He's going to see his team, and he's going to see what happens when he gives the ball to Bijan, and then what happens when they are throwing the ball to – can't even say Olamide Zacchaeus because he's not on the team anymore. I don't even know. <laughs> who's who's the Falcons' third wide receiver? Matt Collins. Matt Collins, Scotty Miller. Right? So he's going to see what happens when Scotty Miller gets targeted and what happens when Bijan gets targeted or what happens when Pitts gets targeted. And, like, just from a very human level, if these guys are as good as we think – and I think right. both of these guys are really good. That is going to impact what our volume projection would be literally in season, literally mid game. And that's, I mean, that's really like at a certain point, everything I just said boils down back down to what you just said is like, it's as simple as what are the freaking coaches going to see? They're going to see these players being awesome. Brees Hall scores all these long touchdown runs last year. And we think his team just doesn't care anymore. Like, yeah, they brought in Dalvin cook because they Aaron Rodgers wanted him. And they're thinking, look, we got a lot of, uh, we want to win a Super Bowl this year and more weapons is good, right? But they're not going to not use Brees Hall. Like, I, just, I guess I just don't understand even where that logic could come from. Yeah, obviously Cook impacts it and there are issues to the actual like floor and ceiling and the projections. And there are elements here where there's some nuance to it, obviously. But the point is like the coaches that are making these decisions, like you just said, like they know which of their players are really good and they're going to be like, yeah, we want to get that guy the ball more. And if cook is struggling this year, by the time Brees is fully up to speed, like that's going to be another, like that will be a dynamic thing that they'll analyze in season, but it might be clear that cook is washed by, you know, week four. Like he hasn't been working out all off season or something, you know, we don't know what kind of shape he's in. He's 28 years old. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has to play out, but like you said, like when you see the guy that's really good, and then you're game planning the next week. You're going to find a way to get that guy touches, whether that's Bijan or whoever else. It's like, yeah, I got to build my game plan around the, the player that's that's good. 100% right. All right, Gretch, if the people enjoyed this and they want to read Ceiling Signals, where can they go? What does it cost? How can they get involved in the Discord and all that good stuff? 
it's bengretch.substack.com. The Discord, I don't ever have like the links expire. I can never get a, a consistent link, but I, I just people who subscribe ask me, send me an email, uh, comment, and I drop the link every now and then through the Substack. Um, it's fifteen bucks a month and ninety nine annually. Uh, I had a lot of people that think that's way too cheap. I have a lot of people that think that's too expensive. My thing on the 15, like, because there's a monthly element, like the amount of stuff I'm writing right now, you're basically getting a full draft kit for $15. If you just want to subscribe for one month or stick around for a couple months in season, you can kind of choose what you want to pay and how long you want to do it. 30 bucks, 45 bucks, depending on how many months in season you want to go. But like, you know, if you are, a penny pincher, like don't stick. I always tell this to people, don't stick with me through November and December. You don't really need the advice that much in the end of the fantasy season anyway, but like subscribe now, stick around through, you know, September, mid, mid September or mid October or whatever, do a couple months and um, sort of pick what you want to pay and pay as you go. So anyway, that's the, that's the deal on the Substack. There we go. Everyone. I encourage you to check it out. I am a paying subscriber and I enjoy it every time it shows up in my inbox, I will be back next week with a guest that we already have figured out, but I forget who agreed to do it with me. So you will be just as surprised <laughs> as I am next week. See you guys then. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.